I'm Jillian Dalberry, your fellow business friend and your host of the Gracefield CEO Podcast. When you tune in with me every other week, you will get practical steps in growing your business gracefully while juggling all the other amazing or challenging things going on in your life. I believe in building deep connections, building your business on strong values, serving our clients really well, and approaching boundaries and conflict in our business with a whole lot of grace. If you are ready to grow your business your way with ease, stick with me, friend. It's time to be a Gracefield CEO. We are here with Amanda Warfield. She is a content marketing strategist and a new author. Hey, Amanda, how are you? Hey, Jillian. It is so nice to be here today. Thanks for being here. Amanda, you and I have been fortunate to spend a little bit of time outside of podcast interviews <laughs> um, together and in person. So it just brings me so much joy to have you here today. Tell my audience a little bit about who you are, what you do, and who you serve. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Amanda Warfield. I'm a simplicity-focused content marketing and launch strategist. Like Jillian said, I'm also the author of a new book called Chasing Simple Marketing, and I'm also the host of the Chasing Simple podcast. And I help my clients and my students fit their marketing into their business so that it's not taking over their business, which I know we're going to talk about a whole lot today. Um, But basically, I started my business and had zero idea what marketing was or how I was supposed to grow a business using marketing. And I ended up stuck in this trap where I was spending all of my time marketing and none of my time actually growing my business. And I've come to realize that most of us in this entrepreneurial space also struggle with the same thing, where it's so hard to actually get our marketing out there on a consistent basis in order to continue to bring in those new leads and those new clients. We just find ourselves in this feast or famine cycle where we're either doing all or nothing. And what we need to be striving for is that consistency. And so I've made it my mission to help other entrepreneurs not end up in that space or if they're already there to get out of it. Yeah, that's what you said about um, marketing all the time and not actually seeing your business growing. That kind of hit home with me <laughs> um, because I feel like we've all have we've experienced seasons of that where we feel like we're just like throwing spaghetti at the wall and we don't actually know if it's helping us or hurting us or if we're talking to the right people, if we're saying the right things. And on top of that, it's complicated. Like what we're doing is overexerting ourselves to try to meet everyone's needs and appeal to everyone rather than just being really, really focused. So I love that your mission is simple. Like it is all about making this simple for everyone to understand and approach it um, with grace and understanding that you are doing the most important things that you need to be doing while also being able to grow your business from that. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's so much grace in the methods that I teach because just like you know, it's such an important part of entrepreneurship is being able to give yourself that grace to know this doesn't have to be perfect. This doesn't have to be to the the standards that others have set out. This just has to do what it needs to do for my specific business. Yeah, so true. Okay, let's get into it because I can't wait to learn from you. I might, like this is a recorded conversation for the podcast, but I'm like nerding out a little bit because I just want to hear all the things that you're going to talk about. So let's start with the feast or famine cycle. Let's talk about like what that is if people aren't familiar with that phrase and how do we even fall into that trap? Absolutely. So I referenced it a bit just a moment ago, but basically the feast and famine marketing cycle is where you are in this all or nothing headspace. And 
it can come about in a couple different ways. Maybe you are someone who works one-to-one with your clients and so you've got a service-based business and you spend a whole bunch of time marketing. You're, you're spending all your time marketing and then you fill up your client roster and your pipeline. And once that's full, you realize, ooh, I don't have time to do anything but client work really. So I'm just going to back up on marketing and it'll be fine. And so you're working with your clients, you're working with your clients, you're working with your clients, you're not marketing. And all of a sudden you get to the end of that roster and you realize, oh no, I don't have anyone in my pipeline because I haven't been marketing. And so that you have to go back to this, oh my gosh, I've got to market this on so that I can bring in more new clients. And it's this never ending cycle of market, bring in new clients. Once I have the clients, work with them, no marketing because I don't have time. And then having to go back to, oh my gosh, I've got to market all the time. When in reality, what we really want is that consistent, I'm marketing even as I'm working with my clients and I'm not feeling overwhelmed by it. But if you're someone who's not a service-based business owner, you don't have one-to-one clients, you know, this can still happen even if it's, oh, well, I'm spending all of my time working on projects or I'm spending all of my time working on whatever it may be and I'm not spending any time marketing. And sometimes this just happens straight up from burnout. You market yourself a ton and then you get really burned out on marketing. I know a lot of us right now are super burned out on Instagram in particular because of the lack of engagement. And so we get frustrated and we stop marketing and we just focus on other things and kind of forget about it. And then we realize, oh, my sales are down. My leads are down. Whatever your metrics are, you're realizing, oh, well, I should probably market again because things aren't going as well as I'd hoped. And it's never an immediate switch. It's always... You stop marketing and then maybe a month later you realize, oh, I really need to go back to marketing. So then you go back to marketing again and it's just on and on and on a continuous cycle. Yeah, I think it's really draining. The whole process is really, really draining. And I'll tell you like a version of what you said is what I personally have experienced where I will get excited about marketing or I'm getting excited about what I'm doing, right? I'm passionate about helping people and doing what I do to help people, but what burns me out or gets me in my head is the actual marketing. So maybe I do have like a good steady uh, client base or income or whatever, but then something drops and I don't have anything to fall back on to like fulfill what I'm missing now. So it goes, it kind of forces us into that feast or famine cycle of like, oh gosh, now I've got to like hurry and, and market myself or get some information out there to make sure that I'm you know, in front of people and that they know what I'm doing so that we can potentially work together. So yeah, I, I don't know that I resonate with like marketing a ton and then not marketing and then marketing time. I more resonate with like not marketing and then feeling like I have to, it's almost like an internal piece of that as well, which is why it's so draining. And you and I can relate on this, but like, I do feel like in my core, I'm an introvert. And so like showing my face on Instagram or wherever, it it drains me. It, it, it doesn't matter how I twist it, turn it, do it. It doesn't matter. Like there's just a piece about it that drains me. And so whenever I do something in my business that is draining to me, I always like, there's a magnifying glass on it for me. And I'm like, why is that draining me? I don't want to do it anymore. You know, I feel like my energy is so finite anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it is our energy. <clears throat> our energy is super finite and as introverts it's very very finite for what you can do that's forward facing right and there's 
so much of marketing is forward facing. And so you have to really be intentional about where are the best places for me to show up and utilize that energy. Yeah, so true. So let's talk about that then. And one thing you mentioned in our um, kind of talking about this episode was you, you use the phrase, why best practices aren't the answer. Can we talk about that? Because I feel like everyone and their mother has a best practice and I'm a sucker for a freebie and a new idea and a new way of doing things and can almost like see that shiny object syndrome. So tell us a little bit, maybe why a different approach is better. So I'm not against shiny object syndrome when it comes to trying out new marketing because marketing is all an experiment. And so give yourself that grace, that permission to to try those new things out when they happen. But when it comes to the, what is my marketing plan for the month? What am I going to post about and when? What we tend to do a lot of times, especially those of us that are solopreneurs or have very small teams, is we try to meet the standards of the big business owners that we follow, right? You know, the the Amy Porterfields and the Jenna Kutchers of the world where we go, okay, well, they're putting out this many podcast episodes a week or they're showing up on Instagram this many times a week. That means I need to do it too. Or even I've seen so many people go, well, how often should I be posting to whatever platform? And people go, well, best practices are X, Y, Z. And in theory, that's great. But in practice, like you said, creating content takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of energy. And we as business owners that work by ourselves or have a very small team, we do not have the same amount of time and energy as someone with a large team. And so what ends up happening is we are holding ourselves to these standards that are impossible. We're not giving ourselves the grace to to do what we need to do for our business. And we think that the only way to see success with our marketing is to post to best practices. But in reality, in order to see growth and to see the marketing do something, you can post way less than you think you do. You just have to post high quality content that's really going to resonate with your people. Yeah, I love that. So how often should we actually be doing that? It depends. And I know, and no one likes that answer, right? Um, yeah, we want an actual clear formula, Amanda. <laughs> I know. And when we get into the the three ways to simplify, I can give you a quasi formula. But in reality, it's just what is actually realistic for you to handle? What can you achieve and get out without burning yourself out? So what we want is instead of showing up constantly, we just want to show up consistently. And so you do a really great job of this on Instagram, actually, with your stories. You know, like you said, you don't like to show your face a lot and you don't, but you do a great job of consistently showing up and at least like showing yourself pouring coffee and having like this great message for someone to take in for the day. And so you're not showing up 10 times a day with your face on stories, but most days you are showing up at least once and putting something out there for your people to see. But it doesn't even have to be most days. If you showed up once a week and put out a message where you're pouring your coffee and you've got something to say and you consistently show up once a week, that's still consistency that's going to be growing the relationship with your audience. That's a really good point. So now tell us how to simplify (laughs) because I think that 
all of this sounds great and probably something that is like, oh, well, that's not rocket science. Like, of course, that sounds like the right avenue to go. But where we get stumped is we overcomplicate it. I am a natural overthinker, overanalyzer, and I will just like, my brain will spiral if I have too many options or too many ideas or not know how to implement them or only want to do the things that are going to matter. Like we don't want to waste our time, right? So what are some ways to simplify this for us? So the first way is to show up on less platforms less often. So we mentioned earlier the whole like, oh, there's this new thing in shiny object syndrome and I want to try all this stuff out. But realistically, you only really need two or three content platforms. Uh, I tend to recommend one social media platform, your email newsletter. If you don't have an email newsletter, you need an email newsletter. And then also potentially a type of long form content. So you've either got a blog or a podcast or a YouTube channel. If you're someone who's like, I don't have time for that, your email newsletter can substitute as that long form content. And that can just be your long form content. So that's why I say two to three, but you want to make sure you've got social media in some way, shape or form and your email newsletter, and then take it to the next level with a piece of long form content. So I love that. I love that you're telling us to do less. (laughs) I love when people tell me to do less. Um, So if we're investing in those three things, if we're doing social media and email marketing and a form of long form content, then how does it work to like intertwine those to where they support each other? Cause that, I think that is where I personally get, I don't know, it breaks my brain. <laughs> so you always want to start with your long form content. So whether that is blog, or blog podcast or YouTube channel, or your email newsletter is your long form content. That's where you want to start when you're planning your marketing strategy. You start with that and what you're going to talk about each week, every other week, once a month, whatever that that amount that you can stay consistent at is, you start there and you come up with your topics for that. And then everything else breaks off of that and leads back to that. So with your podcast, your email newsletter would be about the topic of whatever your episode is that week. And you your call to action would be to go listen to your podcast to get even more information from you because this right here, your podcast, is where you're giving the most value and the most education and it's the best place to build relationships with your audience, right? So you want to lead everyone back to it. So your email newsletter, take literally parts of your transcript and use that to write your email newsletter whenever you send one out and send them back to your podcast. And then your social media, same thing. Take chunks of your transcript or chunks of your blog posts that you've written, use those as captions, and then send your people back to your podcast. Or leave it as is. The call to action can be to ask a question or something else, but you're not having to reinvent the wheel when it comes to what you're posting about. You've already created all this great content. Keep using it over and over as you're posting on social media so that you're not having to say, well, what am I going to post about today? You've already got a ton of stuff within this podcast episode that you could just pull from. Yeah. So where do ads fit into this? Like for, if we have, like you're, you're focusing on specifically creating content. So if someone's thinking like, well, maybe I want to run ads, where do they fit into that equation? It depends on what their goals are for their business. Um, If you're wanting to get 
more listeners for your podcast, maybe you take a snippet from the podcast, right? And send people back to it. If you want to grow your email list, maybe you've got a freebie. If you're trying to make sales, maybe you've got a low ticket offer. Ads are, they're part of your marketing strategy, but within your marketing strategy, you've got organic marketing, which is going to be content marketing, marketing that you're not paying for. But then you've also got your paid marketing, your growth marketing, where you're doing what you can to get in front of brand new audiences. And so ads are going to fall under that. So it's it's all within the marketing sphere, but within this feast and famine marketing cycle and talking about content marketing specifically, it really only overlaps so much as far as the fact that, yes, you have to create content to put an ad out really. Gotcha. It's like the cousin that is a part of your family. <laughs> Right, but but is not like in your immediate family. So right, the cousin that you like call a sibling. Right, right. You're close to. You're close to. You you like them, but (laughs) but they don't live under your roof. Okay, that makes total sense. Okay, so you said simplify where we're showing up places. Like, what else can we do to stay consistent? The next thing you want to do is you want to become a broken record. You want to talk about the same thing over and over and over and over again. And all the time I get pushback of, yeah, but that's boring. People don't want to hear me say the same thing over and over again. People don't hear you. You're bored. They're not. It takes hearing someone say something seven to 10 times minimum before we're ever going to take action on it. And when you put out content, only a small fraction of your audience actually sees any given piece of content. And so you need to post about something a hundred times before someone can actually, you know, decide, yeah, I'm going to take action on that. That's a rough number. But you know, like if someone only sees a 10th of your posts and you post about something 10 times, well, they've only seen it once. They've only seen you talk about that thing one time. So you've got to continuously talk about the same things over and over and over again. And the reason that this is so important is because it builds that connection in your audience's mind as to who you are and what you do. If they don't know, hey, this person sells Taylor Swift related t-shirts and they don't see you talk about those t-shirts over and over and over again, when they think I need a Taylor Swift t-shirt, they're not going to think of you. But our goal is to make it so that when someone thinks of our area of expertise, they automatically think of our name. And in order to bridge that connection, we have to talk about it over and over and over again. And so when you go back to what we just talked about with repurposing that content, right, and saying, well, here's my longer form content. Let me break it down into five, 10, however many smaller social media posts. The purpose of that is because each piece of long form content is a topic that you're passionate about, right? You want your people to hear about it. If you want them to hear about it, you have to talk about it five, 10 plus times. And so you've got to break it down into those pieces so you can be that broken record. But you only sound like a broken record to yourself. I would say 90% of what holds me back in my business is myself anyway. So the fact that you're like addressing that you are the only one who feels like you're a broken record is kind of convicting to me. Um, And I love that you addressed it in terms of you need to be like it's not it's not something bad to say it over and over and over again it's actually a good thing and it reminds people your your analogy with taylor swift t-shirts makes complete sense to me like (laughs) it's it's not only relevant (laughs) but it's 
it makes sense that, of course, you're not going to think about that thing that you need unless you know the people that provide it. So yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Well, and you think about, we think that we're being boring, but in reality, if we are not talking about something over and over and over again, we're actually doing a disservice to our audience because they don't know how we can help them. That's, yes. Yes. I feel like I'm having like a therapy moment right now. (laughs) But I really like where this is headed. I really like the encouragement you're giving us to like show up and talk about what we're doing. Like I I just did a podcast episode with Elizabeth McCravey. So your episodes will probably come out around the same time. And we talked about like showing up and showing your face and that not being a vain thing, that not being self-centered, that being more about like, this is like, people want to connect with you. People can't buy from you if they don't know what you sell. People can't be helped in the way that you help people unless they know that you can help them. So I think that this is just so confirming that we've just got to show up more and we've got to be able to like put aside those uh, mental thoughts of questioning if we should be or if people want to hear from us or if we've talked about it too much, like getting in our head about it. Yeah, absolutely. And so you take what you guys talked about on that episode, which is it's so important to actually talk about what you do, not just post random things, like don't just post my cats, right? Which I love to post about. But if I only post about my cats, no one knows anything about what I do and what my services are. But not only to show up and do it occasionally, but to do it often. And consistently, Consistently. right? (laughs) Okay. So um, what other ways can we simplify our marketing in order to stay consistent in all of this? Okay. So this one's the best one, but it's also the one that most people dislike the most, batch (laughs) your content. Mm. And by batch your content, I mean, set aside a week every month and create a month's worth of content for the next month. And I always get the pushback. Oh, I can't set aside an entire week. That's crazy. That's way too much. But when you look at how much time you're spending marketing on a weekly basis, and then you look at how quickly you can get a month's worth of content done in just one week, you're actually going to save yourself a ton of time. And the beauty of batching a whole month's worth of content in just one week is that it allows you to step away from that burnout. So the burnout you mentioned earlier where you you feel excited about marketing and then you don't and you feel excited and then you don't. And sometimes that you are just burned out and don't want to show your face because it takes a lot of energy. You're able to pour all that energy into one week and you've got three weeks each month where you don't have to worry about showing up and doing anything because it's already done. You don't have to worry about whether or not you're marketing yourself because it's going out for you. And you don't have to worry about feeling burnt out because by the time three weeks pass and it's time for the next batch week, your creativity is normally back. And it's normal and natural for us to have those ebbs and flows in our creativity. But what we need to do is really capitalize on them when we do have them instead of going, oh, I have tons of like creativity. I'm ready to create some content and I'm going to create this week's content and it feels great. And then the next week comes by and you're like, I don't, I don't want to. I don't feel like it. And that's normal. So we have to capitalize on those weeks that we actually have that creativity. I love that. I will tell you, I've never batched. Well, let me tell you, let me say this. I've tried to batch before. And I think that 
I, I think that what I'm learning in this season of business is that there are things that I can do to accommodate making that process easier for myself that I didn't know before. So if, if we've tried batching before and we didn't love it, we didn't love the process or it didn't work, quote unquote, work for us. What are some ways to like set ourselves up for success for that? Okay. I'm so glad you asked this because again, this is just such a common, oh, I've tried it before and it didn't work. If it didn't work, this is probably what you're doing. You're probably not actually batching. You're probably just trying to create a bunch of content at one time. So I want you to think about baking cookies. If you go to bake 12 cookies, a dozen cookies, and you go, okay, I'm going to mix all the ingredients for one cookie, and then I'm going to put the one cookie on the pan, and then I'm going to bake one cookie, and then once it's cooled off, I'll mix all the ingredients for the second cookie, and then I'll put that cookie on the pan, and then I'll bake the second one. If you do that with 12 cookies, you're exhausting yourself and you're wasting a whole lot of time, right? But if you mix all of the cookies at once, and then you put 12 cookies on the pan all at the same time, and you cook all 12 at the same time, they're done in 10 minutes, the entire batch. What we do with our content is the same thing. We sit down and we go, okay, I'm going to write four blog posts today and I'm going to batch out a month's worth of blog posts. And so you write the first one and then you edit the first one and then you schedule the first one. And then you sit down and you go, okay, that took me two hours and I'm mentally exhausted and now I have to start this process all over again for three more. No, thank you. That doesn't work because our brains are exhausted, because we're task switching from one thing to another, to another, to another. Instead, what you should be doing if you're going to truly batch out a whole month's worth of blog posts is you want to rough draft, well, outline really, we should all start with an outline, but outline all four. And then the next day, you want to write all four and get a really terrible draft down. And then the next day you want to edit all four. And then the next day you want to schedule But when you sit down and you go, I'm going to do all four at once and I'm going to get four blog posts written and scheduled this week, you burn yourself out in day one because it's just not actually physically possible to start from one blog post and then blog post two and then blog post three and then blog post four because you're just burning your brain out on a ton of different tasks. I don't think anyone teaches us this, but you. I mean, obviously you're teaching us this right now, but I don't (laughs) think anyone... Like the the cookie analogy, oh my word, it has completely changed my mindset in the last, what, three minutes. Um, Wow, it feels so much clearer how that would be more helpful to approach it that way. And like the ease of how long it would take you to do something and how much energy it exudes if you were to do it one method versus another method. And I mean, in, in, with a systems background that, yeah, that makes complete sense. I also tell people I have a freebie called manage your boundaries, energy, and time like a CEO. And I talk about this, like there are so many things that can drain your energy that aren't equitable with time, right? It's not all about how much time you're spending on something. And then that's directly connected to the amount of energy it takes. It's they, they're different, different things require different levels of energy. And so I love 
that you were saying, like, if it hasn't worked for you, it's because you're not actually doing it, which kind of frees us up to say, oh, well, I can try it again, you know, and do it the right way. What are some tips that you do to kind of like set the tone for the week, set the mood in your office? Like, what do you do that sets you up for success? Things that are not, um, that are, that are specific to you. Oh, specific to me. I don't know because I teach all my students all of my 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 methods in my course. Um well, let me ask you let me ask it this way. Do you light a candle? Do you eat anything specific for lunch? Do you uh exercise the morning of? Like what it what is it about that week that's different for you that you do to maybe like set yourself up mentally for it? I think Part of the mental setup comes from I spend the entire first day is just planning. I'm not actually starting the actual creation process. It's just what is my strategy for the month ahead and what's the plan? Um, and so that allows me to get in the headspace of batching. And then it's usually a half day, which is great because I'm like, all right, I did my work for the day and I'm ready to get started the next day versus burning myself out doing a bunch of work on day one and then going, oh man, now I've got to record podcast episodes. But it's interesting so when I'm writing, I usually, if I'm doing like heavy writing, whether it's for myself or for clients, I do tend to light a candle. But it's interesting that you ask about the food thing because I do, once I finish my third day of batch week, which I outsource my podcast editing, so I don't need that day, which most people who don't outsource will, right? Um, but my third day of batch week is writing my emails and my social media captions for the next month. And it is a longer day because it's a lot of copy, even though I'm repurposing so much of it. And even though that they're their first rough drafts and they're terrible when I write them, but it is one of the longer days. And by that point, once I have those drafts written, I've got my, all my podcast episodes are ready uh, or they're recorded. All of those are written. And so all I have left in batch week at that point is editing and then scheduling or uploading things to my VA as needed. Um, and I always go get Zaxby's for lunch. That's always what I do for myself, which is really funny that you asked that. So you, is that the equivalent of treating yourself? Is that what that is? Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm done. I finished a whole or almost finished a whole month's worth of content again. And I, that's that's my little treat, I guess. I love that. Well, I, as you're talking about this, I'm thinking like, okay, well, what would I do for myself? Like what would feel right for me? And just to kind of give, cause I always love when people share what they do for these types of things to see like, okay, well, what applies to me? What would work for me? And I know that when I get really tired, I like gravitate towards sugary, terrible for you snacks or like crunchy, like carby snacks that make you feel like you just got hit by a truck after you eat them. And so like, I'm even thinking to myself, okay, well, if I do a batch day and I or a batch week, and then I am riding on one day because that will drain me more than the other things, then maybe I should like do a little grocery store run just for that day and like pick up my favorite healthy snacks or do whatever, whatever feels right. You know, maybe I should go get a smoothie that day or something like that. Just like kind of getting in front of the things that could come in, in your way of actually being successful on that day. Um, I am very pro being proactive on things like that because I feel like I'm an extremely self-aware person and will just feel terrible about myself if I, you know, make decisions that aren't going to 
set me up for success. So um, I love that you shared that though about Zaxby's. It's like, yeah, that's like your little treat after getting it all done and then like handing it off to your VA. That's amazing. See, that's the key though, because I'm the same way. Like if I eat something that's not good for me, I know it's going to put me down. So I have to wait until I finish that part because <laughs> if I haven't finished writing things, I'm going to go eat Zaxby's and then I'm going to nap for the rest of the day. Right. So like, <laughs> yes, I very yes. intentionally set it up so that batch week's pretty much done and I'm able to actually just like treat myself with junk food because I'm also I love carbs. I don't know. Very food motivated. <laughs> we all do. We all do. I am too. It's fine. <laughs> You're in good company here. Okay. So I love this. Can we talk about your book? I, yes, so you gave me a, an advanced copy, um, of a, of a portion of it and I was reading through it and can I just, can I tell everybody what the first sentence is? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It is, I started batching my content because a dog had peed on our carpets. And then you scroll down a little bit and it says, this is probably a good time to mention that we're cat people. (laughs) (laughs) I loved this. I was literally laughing out loud. And what is so, what I love about this is just from talking to you and knowing you and knowing your processes of how you batch content and all the ways that you share this valuable information with us about how to do it. I know that the rest of the book is going to give me exactly what I need. Right. But I appreciate those stories so much because it keeps these things interesting for me. It keeps books like this interesting for me where I'm learning something and it's going to require me to implement something. So I just want to like bravo you for telling a hilarious story at the beginning of your book, because it was so good. It made me so happy. (laughs) You know, it's funny because I didn't even realize for the longest time that that's why I started that because it was just like a natural evolution, right? That you're not – when I started batching my content, never in a million years did I think this is going to be business changing and I'm going to have a successful course about batching content and then I'm going to write a book about it. Like that wasn't in my brain. It was just I've got a problem. Let me fix it. And I was doing an interview a year ago, I guess, or a year and a half ago and – they asked why I started batching my content. And I realized, I was like, oh, this is actually a great story that I can use at some point. I had to start because the last homeowner's dog peed all over every carpet in our house. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even realize it. So it's just kind of evolved from there. But it was during the podcast interview where I finally connected those dots. I was like, huh, that'd be a good story to start a book with one day. (laughs) Oh, totally. And you did. And you did. What I love too is as you're telling the story, it's like, it just gets worse and worse. (laughs) It's like one thing leads to another thing leads to another thing. And I feel like I'm suddenly watching one of those cartoons where it's like, oh my gosh, how is this going to (laughs) end? I don't even know. Um, I feel like that's every house remodel, right? Like every time you go into doing anything in your house, you're like, it's going to be quick and easy. And then all of a sudden you're like four weeks in and everything's still a disaster. And you just are like, I don't know what to do next. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing that story with us because it was also extremely (laughs) relatable and gave us this insight into how this became important for you because we can all relate with the stories where things just do not go the way that we planned and we've got to figure out ways around it and put blankets all over our desk and over our head to get a good quiet (laughs) podcast studio. So I really appreciate just being super transparent about it and sharing that funny story with us. So I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. (laughs) Your book is called Chasing Simple Marketing, a crash course in content marketing for showing up, saving time and growing your business. 
who is this book for? This book is for the entrepreneur that isn't a marketer. They didn't go get an MBA, right? And for a long time, I was using the term accidental entrepreneur because I know that I never planned to be an entrepreneur. When I started my business, I had the intention of, yes, I'm starting a business or I'm starting a blog so that I can have a business at some point. But I went to school for teaching. I was a teacher for years before I ever even had this thought process of maybe I could do this. And so I don't, I didn't know anything about marketing. And so I wrote the book for the person that I was back when I started my business that spent years just trying to figure out what is marketing and why is it important and how do I use it and what are the best practices? And there's so many things out there. It's so overwhelming. How do I know what works for me? This book is written as a guide to say, if you're at this point in your business, try this. If you're at this point in your business, try this. These are the strategies that'll work for you and give you just those foundational pieces of, oh, that's what marketing is. And that's how all of these different things actually work together so that you can then go on and go, okay, well, what's my strategy? If this is how this all works together, how do I leverage what I know now to actually grow my business and do it in the simplest way possible? Yes. So that was a point that I wanted to mention was that it's not built off of like the new trends of what Instagram is doing or TikTok or Facebook or whatever is new out there. It's about like the foundation of it is the phase you're at in your business and what you should be doing to support that piece of it. And what I loved about that is that to me feels classic. It feels foundational. It feels um, clear and simple because you're not having to evaluate, oh, well, reels are no longer, you know, important or reels are no longer being seen by as many people. And you've got to like pivot all of your marketing practices based off of how, like the ever changing social media algorithms, right? So instead, this is something that you can kind of cling to, block out the rest of the world and all of the updates for what's going on there and really focus on the things that matter. Well, I really wanted this book to be timeless, right? I I was really intentional about not mentioning any specific social media platform because everything becomes obsolete so quickly. And I wanted this to be a book that no matter if you're in business right now or if you start your business five years from now, it's able to help you get that foundational knowledge. And what I think we get wrong with marketing a lot is that we start with, how do I do reels? How do I show up on stories? How do I do this? And we start from, well, what's trendy and what's happening and what are best practices versus what is marketing and how do I get to the the core of what that is and how it can help my business? And so This book is meant to help you go, okay, well, here's what marketing is and how I can actually use it. How do I apply these principles to whatever is currently trendy? Okay, so when can we get your book? (laughs) Because I'm going to need a full copy. (laughs) It officially launches July 26th. I'm not sure when this episode will air, but it may already be up for pre-order. Uh, depending on when this airs. So if you head to amandawarfield.com slash book, that'll give you more information about whether it's already up for pre-order or if it's past July 26, just go straight to Amazon and you can find it there. Oh, that'll be amazing. Are you going to have an audio version? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Are you, are you speaking the audio version? Yes, I am. Oh, good. I love your voice. So I think that'll be good. 
That is such a compliment. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, it's a podcaster way, right? Like you are always exactly. talking about your like, podcast. I was like, why hire someone? I'll just do it myself. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love that so much. I'm so excited for you for this to launch. And you said July 26th, right? July 26th, yep. Okay, perfect. So we will be we will have all of the links for you for you to connect with Amanda, um, where to find her, and where to get your hands on this book in the show notes. And Amanda, I want to round this out with a question to you that I ask people at the end. Where are you giving yourself grace in your business and in your life right now? This is a good question. And it's actually something that I have been working on a lot this year, Um, especially because my husband has switched over to a shift work schedule. And so every single week, our life looks totally different from the week before. And his schedule is on a monthly basis. So at this point, he's been doing it for four months. So we've only gone through it four times. And because my entire purpose of starting a business was to have this flexibility and freedom. Back when I started my business, I was teaching. Not a lot of flexibility in your time off there. And my husband was in the Navy and there's zero flexibility in your time off there. And I really wanted to be doing something that allowed me to be off when he was off and to work my schedule around his. And this year is really putting that drive to the test because he's off randomly throughout the week. It's not a Monday through Friday job. It's a this week as we're recording, he was off Monday and now it's Friday and he's getting ready to wake up and we're going to go spend the whole day together. And so I had a very short three half day work week this week and I'm working significantly less than I ever have before. And so I'm not getting near as much done as my perfectionist Enneagram one self wants to. And I'm really having to give myself a ton of grace with that and just my time and my energy management. And then also breaking boundaries that I've had for years. You mentioned the importance of boundaries earlier. And I've always been a very strict, I don't want to work after 5 p.m. And I don't want to work on the weekends. And now it's like, well, with this schedule, that's sometimes just going to have to happen. And so I'm having to readjust what my own boundaries are with myself. And so it's been a very long few months. And there's there's had to have been a lot of grace-filled moments with that with myself. Oh, I'm sure. Especially, I know for me, it would internally, that would really challenge me. If I, <clears throat> and you had mentioned setting those boundaries with yourself of like, I'm not going to work on the weekends. I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z. But I think sometimes we can put these like impossible standards on ourselves that are like concrete, black and white. When we, in, in a world, we like made this decision to build a business so for the flexibility, right? But then we put these black and white boundaries, quote unquote boundaries around something that don't actually allow us to be flexible. And so I think the important thing to remember is boundaries support flexibility. They don't hinder it. And I love that you're going through this season where you're like mentally processing that. And so it sounds like it's a big growth season for you. It definitely is, but not in the way that I would typically think about growth, if that makes sense. In my mind, growth is like achieving and doing all these things. And it's a lot of emotional growth, um, Mm -hmm. loss of therapy, (laughs) 
lots of therapy yeah, sessions. Um, Shout out to all the therapists out there. We love you. <laughs> Seriously. I got every month I get on my therapist and I'm like, we talked about this last month, but I'm still struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just talk about achievement and growth and yeah, it's been growth in a different way. And it's a lot of learning that boundaries are not, they have an expiration date when you set them, right? You set a boundary and it's a boundary for a certain season of life. And at some point that boundary is going to have to change. And you don't know what the expiration date is going to be most of the time. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you're like, well, I'm having a baby on this date and that's going to happen. But most of the time you don't know. And it's just at some point this boundary is going to have to change. And then giving yourself that grace to change it for me can be hard because I'm such a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. I see that. Well, I see that in, in me as well. I don't mean that I see that in you, but <laughs> I see that as something that I would struggle with too and have struggled with before. So I totally get it. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. That yeah. I know that that's very vulnerable. And it's also one of those things you said, emotional growth. Emotional growth is so hard because there's nothing to show for it. <laughs> there's yes. nothing on the outside that you can say like, oh, I did that. It's all internal. It's all between you and God. And it's like, and your therapist, of course. <laughs> but yes. it's it's just, there's nothing to like tangibly show for it. So it can sometimes. And it's so hard. It's so yeah. hard. It, it's a conversation. Again, my therapist and I think we have the same conversation every month, but she has to constantly remind me like, your worth is not in your achievement. It's not in your pro- in your productivity. It's in who God made you to be. Yeah. And she's just constantly <laughs> reminding me this. And she's like, yeah, but also I want to achieve things. <laughs> and I don't like the emotional growth. That doesn't feel as fun because I don't have anything to show for it. Except, you know, being happier and all of those things. But that doesn't – it's harder to notice those. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It is. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, for talking to us about your new book and sharing about where we can find it. Um, Now tell us where we can find you. Instagram's probably the best place right now. I'm at Mrs. Amanda Warfield. But honestly, if you head to my website, which is just amandawarfield.com, you can find all the fun things, the freebie, the podcast, everything. Well, we will have all of those links in the show notes so that everybody can find you. And thank you so much for being here and sharing all of this with us. Thank you for having me, Jillian. All right, friends, that's it for this episode. I'm so grateful you're here and would love to connect with you. After you subscribe to the show, come hang out with me on Instagram at Jillian Dalberry. See you there.